views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Welcome to Transformation Talk Radio. Uh, Mr. Benny, thank you so much for being patient. Uh, We were in the middle of a conversation and the weirdest thing happened with technology. And so we apologize for starting late. But here's what I want to say to everybody listening. We're going to skip the break or at least a few breaks and we're going to rock and roll it. Uh, thank you, Benny, for pushing all the right buttons. Justin, thank you for being on standby to even be able to talk to uh, Mr. Benny. But today is a great show because, you know what, here we are. Uh, Annie Mattingly is joining me here today. And what I've been looking forward to and speaking with Annie about is, you know, in the world we live in, we hear stories about life after life. We hear stories about what happens to us in the world that we go to in a different energy form, as some people talk about. We hear stories of, is it there? Is it not there? What's going to be next? But Annie is joining me here today, the author of The After Death Chronicles, The Stories of Comfort, Guidance, and Wisdom from Beyond the Veil. And so as an after-death communication researcher, can you imagine what it's like to research people and find out about what their after-death communication experiences were like? You know, sometimes we think about after-death as, wait a minute, somebody has passed on, I'm seeing something, I'm hearing something. But my after-death experience with my mom was quite different. And so today, welcome to Annie's world, but also welcome to the world that many of you so know of and have experienced. Annie, great to have you here. Welcome to the show today. Well, hi, Dr. Pat. I'm very happy to be here, too. Well, let's talk about this idea of after-death experiences and after-death communication. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be like a perception if you go back, especially when, you know, there was early early television and early theater, early movie. And there was this experience of this is what it is. You can envision somebody rising from the body and so forth and so on. But I think what we're learning today is there are very different perspectives, yet there is a common theme. What are your thoughts about that? 
Well, yes, there are, I think, endless perspectives on how we can contact our, uh, our dead beloveds, how they come to us. They come in many forms, but they almost always come to reassure us to say that they are okay. That's the most common message that I heard with all the people I talked to and that I've received as well. Um, Mm -hmm. They they come to reassure us. They come to bring us wisdom and guidance. Sometimes that guidance is as simple as slow down when you're driving. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes the messages are very complex. I think a lot of variety there. Well... I mean, one of the things I I love in having this conversation with you is that this is a moment of acceptance, and yet we are not conditioned and or trained to really be in that place of acceptance, right? No, No. in fact, almost the opposite, because the culture generally poo-poos this kind of experience, and I don't understand that when it seems it's not quite universal, but... It just happens to me constantly. I'd say approximately three out of four people who find out what I'm what I'm about, what this book is about, what I'm doing, yeah. um, will say that they've had some kind of an experience. Mm-hmm. So how come <laughs> it's not how universal come? when right. it's so right. common? You know, right? I mean, how come? Uh, and, and, and guess what? This is a phenomenon, right? That dates way, way back to Mm -hmm. thousands of years ago Mm -hmm. when one of the greatest teachers that walked the planet like actually came back and the people saw this and they talked about it and we've written about it. So, you know, we're hearing the stories over and over and over and over again and we are very, very fascinated by this in our pop culture right now. Um. When we think about this, you've done the research, and I want to ask you about this. You know, the After Death Chronicles, I, I, first of all, I love that it's a chronicle. I love that these are true stories. But I, I am also really was struck by that these are stories of comfort, guidance, and wisdom. And I want to focus on that for a little bit, if we could. Comfort, okay. guidance, and wisdom. Because this is not about my uncle showed up and I was totally panicked and scared. Right, right. Almost no one is frightened. And Uh I think one of the reasons is that, you know, someone told me the other day that he thought he would be afraid if he saw someone. So no one comes to him in that way because our, our beloveds don't want to frighten us. And we each have a particular way that's easier for us to receive. Uh, it's a kind of a style, just like we have learning styles. Um, I receive better through my body and verbally in an auditory way, and so that's how I have received contact. But for other people, it is, visual is, is better. For some people, dreams are better. Um, there, there seem to be a, a vast variety of ways that we can receive yeah. You know, let's talk for a minute, if we could, about wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for me, having lost a mother at six years old. Oh, my and, goodness. I'm sorry. And, yeah. And I had an experience of that um, where I basically was 
in a Catholic school, Catholic boarding school. I was in church with the nuns. My family didn't pick me up over that weekend. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at the ninth station of the cross, and Jesus is telling me, fear not, your mother is with me. Mm -hmm. And I go tell Sister Michael Anthony, who just pretty much wanted to have me excommunicated about that point. Mm -hmm. But what's fascinating about it, our our trip to Mother Superior revealed that Mother Superior had a note from my mom, from my dad that that was exactly true. Oh. How many people have you found have gone through this journey that were completely invalidated by the public as to what they saw? Because I think that's one of the issues, isn't it? It is. Uh, people are not believed, or they're told it's a hallucination. You know, they, there are all kinds of names, and some of these names come from experts uh, that say that these are not valid experiences. Uh, other people tend to be more frightened of the experiences than the person who had the one, uh, had it, and it, the people are laughed at. I just had an experience at a at a, a book signing event a few days ago where. Someone said she wanted to share an experience. She said, I've only told this story once before, and I wasn't believed. Mm. Uh, she fortunately felt safe enough in that space that she was able to share it and receive validation, mm -hmm. which is basically my goal in this whole process. Mm -hmm. I want people to be able to feel validated in, and supported about these beautiful gifts that they've received. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to talk with you because, you know, so often um, we don't uh, realize that there is someone like you, Annie, that is out there doing, quote, research. And I want to start, them, uh, you know, to, to have our listeners understand what this book was born from, mm -hmm. what that research looks like. And what are some of the stories you've put in here? Because this is a labor of love in a sense, right? It, it I mean, nobody goes out and love. does research, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you went about this. Well, it all started, it started from the deepest grief of my life. Uh, my daughter died in 2010, and I thought she had moved into the silence of the grave. Because mm -hmm. I was not in, t I was in tune with with there, that there was an afterlife that we don't just stop at the moment mm -hmm. of death, but I was not in tune with the idea that our deceased beloveds could return and speak to us or or mm -hmm. be, make themselves known to us. And uh, several weeks later, that is precisely what happened. I was asleep one morning and uh, awakened by. Um, goosebumps, just this rushing feeling of energy up the left side of my body, and I was pretty annoyed. I was asleep, you know, and I rolled over, and it happened again, and the third time it happened, it just flooded my entire body, and in a moment that reflects what was happening, how huge the change was for me at that moment, I sat up and put my feet on the floor and said, Randy, is that you? Uh, if you do, if it's you, do something, move something, so that I know. And I'm looking around the room, and, and nothing's happening. <laughs> and, uh, and there's a little pause, and, and my daughter's voice, exactly her recognizable voice, said, "Your body knows." Yeah, uh, that moment where you knew mm -hmm. 
there's a liberation. And I get that from the stories, Annie. I don't know another word. It's liberating. It's empowering. It's validating. And it's also heartbreaking at some level. All of those things together, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and, and the last certainly is liberating and empowering. But the last thing when you say heartbreaking, we always speak of the broken heart in such dark and negative terms, but the broken heart is open, <laughs> and it's very beautiful to have a broken heart. It hurts like crazy, but it also allows us to be more loving and more compassionate and more open to the world, and in this yeah. case, to the other world. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, yeah. that part is quite, quite beautiful. Yeah. You know, I want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. As you went and you collected these stories mm-hmm. and you gathered them and you put them in this incredible book. And for those of you that are just tuning in, I just want you to know that, you know, joining me today, my very special guest, you know, is Annie Mattingly. And and I want to just tell you a little bit about Annie. First of all, um, you can go to Annie's website, Annie, AnnieMattingly.com. Um, and the book that we are really talking about, it, recent book, is the After Death Chronicles, True Stories of Comfort, Guidance, and Wisdom. And I want to make sure all of you know that we have a copy of the book to be given away today during the show. But I also want to make sure that you know this is a live call-in show. So please feel free to give us a call. 1-800-930-2819. Because, Annie, you have been in front of people, uh, hearing their most deepest, deepest, darkest secrets. Mm-hmm. Dozens and dozens of people, right? Mm, yes. It's what been was one your... of the mo- most oh. moving experiences oh. of my life, oh, repeated over and over. I know. You know, my research was on broken promises, and I did the research on that and did the interviews. And even though you're a researcher on something like that, you're never quite prepared for really what people show up with, are you? No, that's you're very true, very true. Each one is a powerful and wonderful surprise. What was your, if you had one, I'm, all of the stories are just amazing, but what was your interview or conversation where you looked at somebody and you, you kind of were thinking, really? Or was it all of them? <laughs> I don't. I don't actually know what you mean. Really, like, L- like, wow, did that really happen? Or wow, did that happen like that? Well, in a way, they all seemed that way to me. You're yeah. right. They're, you're right. And there were. I don't have a favorite experience. I, I have ones that are more more dramatic than others. You know, yes. and they're they're exciting. They're very very fun to to share. But the little tiny ones where a father steps off a train and says, I'm okay, and then gets back on the train, is equally as powerful to me because of the look on the face of the woman who told me the story, because she was so pleased and reassured by that that simple moment. Mm -hmm. But if you want a dramatic story, I can tell you some of those, too. I do. I do. And we're, we're going to get to that. But I want to talk about a couple of things that you wrote in the book. Uh-huh. And there was one thing in particular that I popped out, uh, that popped out on me. And I'll tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. And I, Do you mind? 
And no. I don't remember where it was I read it, but I wrote it down and it said like a sonnet or like a sonnet or a symphony, an ADC is more than a sum of its parts. These moments speak to us in the language of language of spirit or God or the universe. They are not intended to be fully understood, but rather to be savored and allowed to delight. Now that is something 9,000 interviews I've not heard before. And I, I had to ask you to talk about this because if we could understand this, this one element, especially when we are getting visited or communicated with, boy, it would be so powerful, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Yes, it would. I, I think we're talking about something that is, it, it, there's magic here. There's magic. There's poetry. Uh, there's mystery. Uh, these experiences have a quality that cannot be nailed down. And if we can simply be open to that in the same way that we can be open to a beautiful piece of music or poetry, then we can receive the love that is the, the essence of the experience, really. It's this person who loves us coming to, to say whatever it is they've said, they're coming to say or do or communicate. And that's not necessarily, even though most of my communications came verbally, um, it's not really the words that are most important. What's most important is that feeling, that feeling of love. Mm -hmm. And that we receive with our hearts, our souls, um, not with our minds. Yeah. You know, that is the most, I think, important part of, of talking with you today, you know, we we know about hauntings, we know about ghosts, we know, you know, we know about them from a culture that wants to, you know, have us imagine this, you know, to mm -hmm. sell box office tickets. Mm -hmm. and, and then you have people that have super experiences. Now, I will say some of them are scary. Um, you know, my early, early childhood experience of walking in my house in the Bronx coming home sick from school one day and walking in and going into a locked house and and seeing like a family almost in sepia you know almost in that like they were all like a light brown i can see them today mm -hmm. to this day mm -hmm. um gentlemen you know i don't know maybe 1930 40s mm -hmm. uh they were all in the same kind of brown color but you could tell the woman had a print and the child and they were just there they weren't like eating, they weren't like cooking, they weren't like sitting, they were just there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we see things like that, we don't meet the smell test for people that are trying to believe us. What do you tell folks when they have an experience, Annie? How do you guide them and coach them with that experience? You mean an experience like that that has an element of, of fear in it? Yeah, either yeah. like that. Well, as a child, seeing people in your house. I mean, I wasn't afraid of them. Mm -hmm. I was like, who are these people? Because they seem so real mm -hmm. to me, right? But how do you work with individuals so they can validate their own experience while society might have the goal of doing just the opposite? Well, I think that the... The, the primary part of the validation that occurred for me, first of all, the people who have spoken to me in formal interviews already believed their experience. But I've heard a lot of stories on at, at parties and 
street corners and by the mailbox and so on and so forth. And some of those people did have doubts. But what happens is when they know that I have had personal experience myself and I listen mm-hmm. to them, just mm-hmm. listen. The, the gift of listening to someone and believing and accepting their experience validates mm-hmm. for them. And then they, they feel tremendous relief. I've seen it in people. I've had people say, well, do you think this really really could be or do you think this is really possible and i say yeah. anything is possible i i don't have i have no boundaries on the possibilities i don't yeah. know what those boundaries are and maybe they don't exist and just just being heard and acknowledged and validated by me it, it supports their validation yeah i mean this is the beginning of a bigger conversation that we're having today um, because this is really part of people trying to make sense out of this kind of event in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot that I want to talk with you about, but most importantly, we wonder if there's a purpose. We wonder if there is a message. You know, I, I mean, clearly I look back on that six-year-old experience that mm-hmm. I had, and clearly there was. Mm-hmm. But even today, you know, we have experiences, we hear voices, or we get messages intuitively, let's say. Mm-hmm. It's not like we see a light and people show up, but all of a sudden in our minds, there's like this thing. Can you just share with us what your experience is of what might be going on right there? Could you explain yourself a little bit more? Yeah, are what? we getting messages? Are, 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 are folks, you know, that have passed on, are they trying to give us messages? Are they trying to guide us? You know, sometimes we just know something. Mm-hmm. Like we wake up one day and we have this incredible thought that we didn't have the day before. Mm-hmm. And yet it could be related to something, you know, that we learned about in our childhood. Mm-hmm. And yet we don't have the vision of Uncle Bob came to me last night. <laughs> Well, yeah, it, it can come in a million ways, as we were yeah, just been yeah. talking about. But I think that the key, for me at least, has been, and, and I hear this from people I've interviewed as well, to keep paying attention. Just ask, well, what, what's this about? Why is this happening this way? And look for meaning. Uh, if we look for meaning, I think it's, first of all, humans want it. We want meaning in our lives. But second of all, the meaning it seems always to be there, but it may be not. It, it comes in the way, for instance, that dreams do, where we have to do a little bit of searching to figure out the underlying story. I'll tell just a, a simple little story about a, a physical manifestation that on the surface could look meaningless, but it had great meaning for this particular woman. Her husband had died. And the doorbell kept ringing, and uh, it was ringing like at 2 o'clock in the morning and odd times. It even rang when she wasn't at her house, but she was at her daughter's house. Her daughter's doorbell would ring. And after a while, she remembered something that had happened years before in their marriage where they had gone through a little period where they felt they needed to restore some of the romance in their marriage. And her husband had gone out of the house without her realizing it. And when he came back, he didn't just come back in the house. He rang the doorbell 
and he was holding behind his back a bouquet of flowers for her. And so the ringing of the doorbell became a love message from her deceased husband. Mm. You know, there's nothing more powerful than that acknowledgement, Annie. Nothing more powerful than that. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to speak with Annie about her fabulous book, The After Death Chronicles, True Stories of Comfort, Guidance, and Wisdom from Beyond the Veil. Um, if you go to Annie's website, which is AnnieMattingly.com, you'll be able to take a look at this, download pages from the book. And when we come back, we actually are going to be given a copy of this away. But for those of you out there, questions, comments about your own experiences, 1-800-930-2819 or go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or The Dr. Pat Show. And if you ask your question there, I will make sure we bring it to, to Annie during the next segment. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Laura Richer, host of On The Verge Radio. Sometimes you hear encouraging messages like transform your life now, become empowered, create the life you crave, and it all seems overwhelming and you're not sure where to start. I'm here to tell you that self-improvement is not always fun and easy, but it is always worth it. The path to creating positive changes begins with releasing the things that have been holding you back. Then you can create a life that inspires you. I know this because I've done it. You can find out more about what I do by visiting my website, seattlehealinghypnosis.com. I look forward to supporting you on your journey. Tune in each month to Synergenetic Living Radio, where Rick and Grace Paris discuss the synergenetic way of life, what it means to truly change your perspective in life, what it means to take control of your life and manifest your true desires. For more information on Rick and Grace Paris and Synergenetic Living, check out SynergeneticLiving.com. Get clear on the life you desire and the current life you are creating and what is between the two. Synergenetic Living, living life loud. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living, LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Integrate spirituality into your everyday lives on Universe Soul Heart Radio. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Kathleen Johnson explores the concept of sensible spirituality, keeping you grounded, connected, and centered on the path to wholeness. Kathleen has dedicated her life to facilitating holistic healing and wholeness in others. Listen to Universe Soul Heart Radio and learn how to flourish, grow, and impact all we do on planet Earth. For more information, go to universesoulheart.net. Do you want to heal your body and mind? Your body has a lot to tell you if you just learn to listen to your intuition. Audrey Michelle, host of Rewired Life Radio, can help you peel away the layers that are holding you back from living your best life. Tune in to Rewired Life Radio. Learn to love, heal, celebrate on Transformation Talk Radio every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Connect with Audrey at AudreyMichelle.com.
Hey, everyone. You know, for those of you out there, um, many of you have heard uh, Christiane Northrup on the show, and what she says about Annie's book is a must-read for anyone who has lost a loved one. And quite frankly, that's nearly all of us. It is medicine for the soul. And it really is. I mean, you know, the book that uh, Annie wrote, The After-Death Chronicles, um, the stories are captivating for somebody like me. You know, you sit here and read them. And I, and I was I was, fig- I, I was trying to think about, I was talking to Linda about it, and I was trying to think about h- how it felt. And I think for me, it felt like I was right there with the people. Like I was right there, you know, with people that were talking about, messages or you know talking about um people arriving at their houses or hang up and call 911 you know i mean i mean i'm just feeling like i'm right there and i'm sure you've heard that before uh what i'd like to do is um have you share some of these but also i'd love benny to give a copy of the book away now 1-800-930-2819 and we'd love to give a copy of the book away to the first caller. Um, So many stories. Of course, I'm sure you're like everyone else. You may or may not have a favorite. I don't know that I have a favorite. Um, (laughs) You know, I love, though, there's one line from the story. I'll tell you which one. I I love the line in the book that we all know so very well and that I pretty much live my life by these days. And it was a line that says there are no mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I, I hung on to that as well as, is this, is this a vibrating chair? So, you know, for me, <laughs> it's like, holy cow, Annie, how did you gather these up? Amazing, right? Well, they just, half of them just came to me, I swear. People were calling me on the phone and emailing me and cornering me in the grocery store, you know. It wasn't hard to find these people. And in fact, I, I intended to to interview more people, and I finally just said, this is enough, and started writing, um, because it it still continues to this day, uh, that, that stories simply come to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the vibrating chair, though. I'll tell the vibrating st- chair story. Do you mind? Do you mind? No, it's one. It's it's it isn't. I won't say it's my favorite from the book, but it's my favorite because it makes me laugh. You know? It does. It makes me laugh too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and you know, it's so real for somebody like me. I remember up in Port Townsend, I went and got a tea leaf reading, and so we're in the middle of the reading, and the table and the whole teacup starts to move. Oh my goodness. So, there are things like that that, you know, I, okay, so me, what did I do? I looked under the table, see if there was gadget. That was me, right? <laughs> well, good for you. you know? <laughs> there wasn't. But please, share this story. Okay. Well, a, a woman had an elderly mother who was in a nursing home, and she had brought one piece of furniture with her into the nursing home, which was her favorite wingback chair. And when this woman died, the daughter inherited the wingback chair and took it to the apartment that she was sharing with another woman, and it became her favorite chair. She would sit in it to read and to watch TV and to talk, and her cat would curl up on her lap there. But on this particular day, it was the first Christmas after the the mother's death, um, and the woman's housemate had... um, friends in uh, uh, that she didn't know, that the woman didn't know, my interviewee didn't know, 
And one of those friends sat down in the swing-back chair. And a few minutes later, she gets a really odd look on her face, and she looks around the room, and then she jumps up, and, and she says, is this, is this a vibrating chair? And my interviewee says, no, and explains the history of the chair, and the woman relaxes a little, sits back down, and a minute later she pops up again and quickly goes to the other side of the room and sits in, an, in another chair and just keeps looking back, eyeing the chair, like, oh, my God, what is it, what is it doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and here again, it, it, it's funny. And, I, I mean, I laugh every time I hear this story or think <laughs> of this story, but it also has meaning. It has a message because the chair, a, a chair is a, a comforting piece of furniture. This is an upholstered one. It even has a high back and high high arms, kind of the, the wing back, I think, gives it a sense of, of, of being an embracing chair, which is something that a mother would do. And it feels to me as though the mother was saying, and it felt, to her daughter, and she was saying, this is, this is your chair. This is a place I can bring you my love. It isn't for someone else. And that becomes a satisfying message to receive. It's an odd yes. way to do it, you know? <laughs> yes. But here's the thing I love about this. We somehow don't really talk about personalities, Mm. right the personality of the person and i don't know if i share this story with you but linda comes out and visits every once in a while and her mom joan was like my mother she was mm -hmm. like my mother and you know i have several pieces of joan's furniture but there were two lamps in particular they were they're small lamps they're hand carved they're like japanese you know right? Really small. They go on small tables, right? Mm -hmm. Linda got the tables. I got the lamps. And Joan, before she passed, well, just one day, not like before, but she said one day to Linda, listen, see those two lamps? Time for them to go give them to Patty. So Linda packed them in the suitcase and brought them. They were in my bedroom. They're right out there, right? Absolutely beautiful. Love them every day. Look at them. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, we're like in the living room. And it was like something exploded, like literally, like it was, I can't even, the sound you couldn't miss. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I go in the bedroom and one of the lamps, now imagine this, these lamps are firmly on a dresser. Mm -hmm. They're firmly on a dresser. Even if they were to slide off, the one that, that would slide off on the bed. Got it? Mm-hmm. Firmly on the dresser. I don't have a dog. I don't have a cat. Mm -hmm. And I walk in. The bottom of this lamp, the little piece of the lamp, had broken. The lamp had leapfrogged the dresser, jumped about 10 feet. Oh, my goodness. It was goodness. on the floor. <laughs> on the floor. The bulb did not break. It didn't break. Now, Linda and I looked at that and I said, oh, my God, that's Joan. What is she trying to I mean, what else is that going to be? I don't have an explanation. Do right. you? There, there is no logical explanation for these kinds of things. It has to come from some other level of communication. And it sounds like her personality was pretty bold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No subtle statement there, you know. No subtle statement. And, you know, then we were trying to figure out what were we talking about, mm, right? Yeah. Because, you know, what were we talking about? What was it that we were talking about? 
that Joan would want to get our attention. Now, Mm -hmm. I want to ask you this question because to this day, neither one of us knew what to do with that. We were very, very clear that that lamp did not get on the floor by itself. Right. It it couldn't have. It just couldn't have. Mm -hmm. And yet we still to this day don't know what to do with that. (laughs) Well, I I can't tell you. you (laughs) I'd like to, but you know. But she might figure it out later, though. Sometimes those messages take a while for us to sort of sink sink in. You might come in a flash at some time later. You you might remember exactly what you were saying, or think of something in her life that this would connect with. Otherwise, it's just her going, "Here I am." Exactly. But, you know, there are so many stories in the book where, you know, people went through an experience and did get some insight. Would you mind sharing what kind of insights did some of these folks, some of of these people get? Well, let's see. What can I think of? Well, I'll think there is a story that's quite dramatic in the book um, of a woman who actually sees ten versions of her brother comforting her or her deceased brother. Um, and the thing about that was so much larger than how reassuring it was for him to say, I am okay, and for her to be able to see him in all these versions and be so startled by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it was grief relieving, but the bigger thing was her sense that now she had an understanding of the afterlife that she had never had before. She just simply knew for the first time that there was an existence that continued beyond the grave. Mm. And so that was a huge, huge insight for her. Mm. And I think there's another another story, too, that um, this was about a, a man who died very suddenly of a heart attack, and he had three children and a wife, and... Uh, he returned repeatedly, including at a um, a concert, a school concert, where all of the children saw him in the audience from the stage, and he had come and sat down beside his his wife, the widow, and so she saw him, and then the children saw him, and his coming repeatedly, uh, because his children were teenagers, maybe one could have been still 10, 11, something like that, but young, at home, um, seemed to all of them to be an indication of his still feeling a sense of responsibility as a father. He was still present in their lives, and so that was very supportive for them uh, on an ongoing basis, knowing, well, Dad's gone, but he's not really gone. Mm-hmm. Um, he was simply checking in, but he checked in more than once, you know, more more than a few <laughs> times, you know, and did so in a fairly dramatic way. And and that that was the most dramatic was when they all saw him. Um, but uh, it, it it was a it was a in, insightful in the sense that it showed them his love in a in an ongoing and large way. You know, I am really struck by how how often now we are either getting movies that are coming out, television series, mega blockbuster movies, 
um, that are really addressing this. And the question that comes up for a number of people, Annie, uh, have to do with, you know, what is the spiritual element of this? I think this is a question that comes up time and time again. What is the spiritual element? Because I think in our society, we have this idea that if you're either super spiritual and religious, this will happen to you, or the opposite. If you're totally not, and on the opposite end of that, this will happen to you, but in a not so good way. And I think the question that comes to mind, does any of that really matter? I don't think it matters at all. Mm -hmm. I've had people tell me stories who had no, uh, no, they would not never have used the word spiritual to describe any aspect of themselves or what they believe. Mm -hmm. They were, some called themselves agnostics, one called himself an atheist. He said, I don't know what to do with this experience, but he knew it was real. Um, so it, the form in which it comes may vary according to our belief system. A person who is uh, a, a strong Christian might see a Jesus-related connection, as, as that happens with near-death experiences, too. Yeah, uh, we, we see according to how we view uh, the spirit. Uh, if it comes to us as Jesus, or it comes to us as Buddha, or so on and so forth. But those are those are details. I think it right. really doesn't matter the form, and right. it, it also doesn't matter whether what we what we believe about the world or what mm -hmm. our our worldview is. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you know, I, I was really struck by a couple of different things, but first of all, the, the stories are, are amazing. Um, what I was really struck by is the fact that it, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be at your deepest part of grieving, you know, down and out, you know, you've lost a, a crushingly close person, a child. And I think that is, again, another perception. And what you're sharing in the book is, listen, there is a whole range. Mm -hmm. um, there's mm -hmm. a whole range. The one thing, though, I was struck by was, like with me, is there a level of awakeness? I don't know another word that the individual must have, or maybe a better word is openness. I think openness is very important. Is that better? Okay. I, I, I think that it helps, although I think people who weren't open still had experiences. <laughs> but if you're trying to have an experience, it's certainly supportive to become more open, to listen more to the, the still small voice within, to uh, take on a, some kind of uh, practice that helps you uh, to see the, that which is not visible to the naked eyes. I think that makes us more likely to have these experiences, but there's no rule that says that if you're not open, you, you won't. Yeah. So my sense is there are no rules, period. I think so. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I, because we do make up rules. You know, mm -hmm. we do have we do have rules that we create about things in life and opportunities and so forth. Um, what's super important to me, especially in reading the book, is that the people that were receiving this gave it a lot of thought in a lot of ways. Like I shared the experience with the lamps. Mm -hmm. I mean, that still, you know, is daunting to this day. Mm hmm. 
you know, where we're clear that we became more mindful of that, how can people learn more about how to interpret, so to speak, what's happening with the messages? Well, as you just said, you gave that experience with the lamp a lot of thought. And I think turning our attention to it and just simply asking, what does this mean? And saying, I want to know what it means. Maybe that's it. Just the the desire to know that there is meaning there is a, is a, is a big start and has the possibility for opening us to layers of meaning that might even take years to unfold. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, You know, one of the things I want to ask you is, how do people um, that have stories, what are the best ways for people to say, I want to tell Annie my story? Is there a way for folks to do that? Absolutely, and I would love if they would. On my website, there is a page called Contact, and uh, there is a place to do it in either one of two versions. You can either write the story out there on right on the website or, or tell me that you want to be contacted, and I would be happy to do telephone interviews as well mm-hmm. or in person um, if people are close enough. <laughs> oh, I think that's amazing. And um, the book is available pretty much anywhere, right? I hope so. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can get it. You know, online, Amazon, IndieBound, Barnes and Nobles, but it is in bookstores as well. Uh, somebody uh, just picked it up in a Barnes and Nobles in Florida. So, okay. So the question that you know, especially after you write something like this, right? Um, the question is, what did you seek out to get done that maybe you want to do more of, or didn't really get an answer to? What's next on the horizon for you? Well, the biggest thing, and this is just unfolded since the book was released a little less than two weeks ago. Okay. Um, It has has clarified for me as I've been doing book signings and book release parties and so on, is that what I really love is creating a safe space in which people can share their stories. And uh, before this, I was doing that individually, but now I've been doing it in groups. And that is enormously satisfying to me. And I hope to do a bunch of that because uh, to be in a room full of people who are sharing things that they have not felt comfortable sharing before and have them be received with love by, by that whole group of people is, is delicious. You know? mm. Yeah. Um... You know, the the thing that I think for me after reading the book, there were a couple of stories that that I read and I wondered this question. Mm-hmm. Do we have the ability to ask whomever just visited us to come back? Because sometimes we think we do, sometimes we think we don't. Do we have people shared the stories um, and your experience of being able to have ongoing communication. Yes, not a whole lot of them have. I have. I've, I've mm-hmm. been. I've had a tremendous gift with that, but only some other people have. And I think many of the people who haven't have not asked. And you're oh. you're saying something very important there, that when we open ourselves, we can open ourselves to having 
Johnny show up and say, hi, and I'm okay, or we can open ourselves to Johnny coming back and connecting with us on a more constant basis. Um, one woman I know, her husband died um, I before my daughter, so it's got to be eight, ten years, and he still, she considers that he lives in the house with her. She has a mm-hmm. new partner. He's mm-hmm. totally accepting of that. They're, they knew each other, the husband and the new partner, and uh, so it's a kind of an odd menage a trois, you know, mm-hmm. and she expects that now. She She expects that contact to be ongoing, and maybe it's the expectation that helps with it. Well, well, there's so much here. There's so much that you um, have done to not only bring comfort to the people you've talked with, because I believe that that's also important, but also to share these stories in your book. You know, for so many people that have had similar experiences, you know, this is this is really the place where you know, you're looking at this body of work and knowing you're in the right purpose in life, isn't it? It feels like that to me. Mm. Yes. Um, I want to uh, just ask you this one last question. And thank you for today. And thank you for all you're doing. Again, how can people get a copy of the book? How can they find out more about you? And how can they share their story with you? Well, my website is the is the most direct way to do that, and it, I have an odd spelling to my name, so I should say that. It's yes, Annie A N N I E, and then Mattingly M A T T I N G L E Y dot com, and there they can get they can click on the links to get the book. Book. They can tell me their stories or request an interview. There's uh, lots of options there, so that's yes. the best place. And for those of you that are listening on the Dr. Pacho or Transformation Talk Radio, if you look right down at the banner for this hour, you can click right on it and you will get to all of the above. Annie, thank you so much for today. Last question. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with? Uh, I think that these experiences are our one chance for the most ordinary of us to be mystics. These are mystical experiences and incredible gifts, and they are available to all of us. Mm. I love it. Annie Mattingly, everyone, I'm Dr. Pat. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.